I started writing music when I was in my late teens, and I always wanted to record an album. That was my goal. If you're totally focused on the kill, I can't even imagine how many days I would be disappointed with my life. You're looking at Instagram, you're looking at the magazines, you're looking at online, and you're getting very unreal expectations of what you're going to experience. It's got this mystique that everybody's like, oh my God, you did an album, or you're going to do an album. That's so like, that only certain people can do that. That's just never the way I looked at it. That's actually where the internet's going now, in my opinion, is people are kind of bored with perfect. They're bored with it because it doesn't exist. It's sort of like if you want to be a fighter, if you want to get into to MMA, what's the best way to do that? Well, you probably got to go start rolling on the mat. People can only tell you so much about it. This is Dave Brinker, and you're listening to Living Country in the City. Y'all ready for your dose of flyover state spirit? Straight from the concrete jungle? Well, put down your latte and pull on your boots. It's time for Living Country in the City. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, so here we are at the Western Hunting and Conservation Expo. We are stealing Brian Call's very comfy chairs right now. Um, I figure this now has to be my my, uh, regular thing, at least once every expo I need to... uh, steal Brian's thunder a little bit. Yeah, I mean... As much as I can do that. You got to keep him humble. <laughs> but we are here, hanging out in the Mountain Ops booth, co-opting Brian's stuff. I am here with Mr. David Brinker. Uh, Dave, David... Whatever you, whatever Brinker. feels good. Uh, <laughs> um, this has been, this has been what, about a year in the making, I'd say? We, we chatted a little bit at... At least a year. Yeah. I can't remember if we chatted before I, I, I ran into you, because I know we met officially... Uh, in the Sitka booth uh, after Hunt Expo at Hunt Expo last year, yeah, and then I couldn't remember if we had talked before that about about getting you on, getting you on, but I'm not was, sure. We talked. I know we talked. I think a you might bit. have reached out to me on Instagram. Yeah, but uh, so it's a bit of time in the making. I'm yeah. glad we finally got it together, and I'm happy things have changed a little bit for you. Yeah, uh, um, but let's start out a little bit. Just your background, um, you know. And, and funny enough, with this podcast, I'm coming back a little bit to the roots of how I started it. You know, some people know this wasn't initially intended to be just a hunting podcast. Yeah. It was about 
everything country. And, you know, my first episode was interviewing uh, some country music artists. And so I thought it would be a fun throwback. You know, you're kind of the uh, encompassing both worlds of this. So I am. But uh, just to get started, maybe give a little bit of background about yourself. How did you maybe initially get into the outdoors and hunting? And then we can maybe talk about how you got into, uh, you know, playing and uh, yeah, writing music. for sure. I mean, I grew up, my dad was carrying me around hunting when I was an infant. Um, my grandfather moved out west in the 50s for the hunting and fishing. Uh, left his entire family, a huge family in Pennsylvania, and moved his three or, uh, three or four kids at the time to Oregon, where I grew up. And so... It was just part of my family. It's just what we did. Um, I was kind of taught that school's great, but I can learn more out in the woods with my dad than anywhere. <laughs> so, you know, I missed a lot of school growing up. I was, my dad was a, a rifle hunter for a long time, but then he switched over all the way to traditional bow hunting. So I kind of grew up traditional bow hunting uh, in Oregon. Focused around elk, but obviously you hunt whatever you can get a tag for. Um, and then as time went on, I started hunting out of state and stuff and, you know, I was actually a golf pro out of high school. Okay. Uh, which a lot of people don't know. I was just naturally pretty good at golf. It never was really my passion, but my dad also owned a little golf course growing up, so I played a lot of golf. Okay. And uh, just didn't really like the industry. Uh, and at the same time, I was getting my business degree, and I met Jason Harrison, and, uh, who at the time was starting what was called Sitka Gear. <laughs> and... Um, you know, him and Jonathan Hart hired me when I was in college in 2007. And that kind of launched me in the hunting industry. Um, I was pretty in tune with the traditional hunting crowd, but that kind of opened my eyes to the entire industry. And I grew up at that brand. I, I spent 11 and a half years there. Uh, I did everything from, I started out as a pretty much an intern. And I grew into, I was the marketing director for four and a half years. Uh, I ran the marketing side of the big game category for about four years after that. And I had a long life there. And this last June, I, I decided to move on and kind of take the family back to Oregon, get the kids around the grandparents and stuff. So uh, in parallel to all that, I started writing music when I was in my late teens, early 20s. And I always wanted to record an album. That was my goal. Mostly focused on the songwriting side. I never was really that big on the performing side. And when I set a goal, I try to achieve it. And it took me, you know, 15 years. But last year I recorded an album in Nashville and um, launched it. And I'm, so I get to kind of have, you know, I play music. I, I hunt a lot everywhere. <laughs> I play music. And I don't know. I just kind of do a bunch of random stuff. I mean, that's the dream right there, isn't it? Like, you got both your passions. You're, you're working at them. You're, you know, we're, we're here at the expo, and uh, just earlier today, you were playing for the whole crowd here. Yeah. A couple of, couple of songs. So tell us a little bit about the album. You, was it this last November that you released it, you said? Yeah, well, uh, I recorded it in November of 17 and re released it in January of 18. Okay. Man, so it has been a while because we... It's been a year. Yeah, because we definitely well, actually, started I re talking... I released the whole album in April okay. of 18, so it's been a little bit less than a year. Because I think we definitely started talking before you recorded the album. Yep. So it's been, I think, even longer than, yeah. <laughs> than yeah. we think. But Yeah. But yeah, so tell me a little bit about the album. Yeah, I, I remember driving down the road between Albany, Oregon and uh, 
Corvallis, Oregon, with my at the time girlfriend, and we were listening to a Dirk Bentley album. Okay. Uh, Modern Day Drifter was the album. Came out in like 2006 or something. And I go, I want to write an album like that. And you know, when you say that to people, they're like, Yeah, sh- no, oh yeah, you for yeah. sure should do that, little totally. guy. You know, <laughs> good luck. You'll do great. They don't really, you know. It's weird. Music's a weird thing. People, it's almost like magic. People don't, they don't look at it as something that's, they're, they're, it's like held to another level for some reason of, of uh, it's got this mystique that everybody's like, oh my God, you did an album or you're going to do an album. That's so like, that only certain people can do that. Yeah. And that's just never the way I looked at it. I was raised, my dad hammered into my head. I can literally do anything. Probably to the point where I'm pretty ignorant to actual reality. <laughs> uh, and so I'm like, well, why not? All you got to do is write the songs, save up the money, and then pay the people to record it. There you go. That's all. I mean, really, that's all you got to do. So I found out pretty quick that songwriting is not easy. <laughs> you know, making some, writing something that's never been written before, that rhymes, that, you know, has a hook that's memorable and a melody that's never been written before, and all those things under three minutes and 30 seconds <laughs> uh, is pretty hard. But I kind of immersed myself in that crowd, and, and uh, I did a lot of competitions where I got critiqued a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tried to spend time around people that were way better at it than me that could show me. I wrote a lot of really crappy songs, uh, which everybody does. I still do. And anybody, <laughs> any artist, that's just the way it goes. you got to write really bad stuff to get the good stuff. And eventually I got to the point where I had a pretty good group of songs where I felt comfortable spending the money. However, there was a problem. Yeah. I didn't have the money. Um, it cost a lot of money to record an album in Nashville. So I, I decided, you know, I'll run a Kickstarter and there see if go. people will support me. I, I, I had a good group of friends that said I should do it. And so I did it. And, you know, a month later I had raised 30 grand. Well, and, you know, you were... It, it, time fairly well-known yeah. guy among the hunting industry yeah. a lot of people wanted to see you succeed yeah in that and so it was, yeah. the timing worked well you know it wouldn't it have... did it did and the hunting industry is obviously <clears throat> where i've grown up it's my home you know uh so anyways i with all the support i was able to record the album and here we are i'm <laughs> planning my second one right now that's exciting man so what's the what's the name of the album made out west made out west and everybody can grab it everywhere. Spotify, Spotify Adam Dora, iTunes, iTunes, yeah, everywhere uh, they listen Amazon. to music, anywhere. Yep. Can you still buy hard copies of albums these days? Like you can. I don't sell like, them online. I have them physically when I okay. play shows, but most people don't have CD players. I. That's the one thing when I realized uh, the day I realized my laptop didn't have a CD player. Like I went to pull out some old software, or like pull some old photos off a off a DVD or CD I burned. I'm like, well, crap. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, most, most new cars don't have them either. That's, it's kind of a weird thing. People, I guess, just don't, don't really buy them anymore. It's all, no. especially, well, I remember, I remember when my first, uh, when they first came out with like the first MP3 players and I wanted one so bad. I wanted one so bad. Oh, my yeah. folks the whole time were telling me, they're like, nah, it's just bad. You won't, you don't, you don't want one of those. It's just kind of a gimmicky thing. Nobody will, you know, just get it, just get another Discman. Yeah, a <laughs> Somebody, I was at I was at Best Buy and I saw they're selling them still. No way, no. Uh, dead serious. I wonder if they. I mean, 
Hopefully they're actually skip-proof for once. But <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't think anybody would need one of those anymore. I was, they were still hanging there. I was like, there's no way they're still selling these. That's and crazy. they looked exactly the same with the big old, big old like, flat headphones that you could wear. But anyway. So um, this time growing up through hunting, you know, I try and um, I feel like there's a lot of parallels. As you were talking just about recording an album, there's a lot of parallels to being successful in hunting as well. You know, you look at the steps, you're like, oh, it should be simple, you know? That's because you, I believe hunting is a totally a creative endeavor. Oh, yeah. Because there's no roadmap to success necessarily, like literally in the literal sense where yeah. you know how when you get out of the truck, you're going to go from point A to point B and be, you know, da-da-da-da-da. You have to get out of the truck or get out of your tent and totally create your success out of and circumstances that are way out of your control and the odds that are stacked against you. Life's like that, especially entrepreneurial life. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get up in the morning. I'm self-employed now, so I, I for sure am getting a dose of this now. You're not guaranteed to get paid. You got to get up in the morning and figure out how to get paid. Mm-hmm. So it is a lot like hunting. It, no one's going to hand it to you. I mean, yeah, you, there are some things you can do, but for the most part, no one's going to hand it to you. You got to get up, figure it out, work it. And over time, and over a bunch of failure, failure, you'll feel a little success, <laughs> and that's that's the way it is. But you know, and then and you look at that success, yeah, you know, there's no guarantee. That's no guarantee of future success. You no. may take those learnings, whether it's from recording an album or going on a successful hunt. You may take those learnings and like little bits and pieces, and be able to apply those to the next time. But there's no guarantee that you release an album that anyone's going to like the songs. Like, there's you no guarantee. you got to be totally okay with... See, my, when I was recording the album, my goal wasn't to sell a lot of them. Because that would be a fairly unreasonable goal. Yeah. My goal was to make the album. That was the goal I set. I want to record an album of my own songs. And so I was never too hung up on the... I'm not trying to make my living doing that at the time yeah. or now. I do it because I love it. And I think if you... If you can do that, you'll always be happy. Um, hunting's the same way, especially traditional bow hunting or bow hunting in general. You got to be okay failing because <laughs> if you're not, you're going to hate it 90% of the time because most of the time is failure. And then you like crave the one time a season that comes together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I guess people like us are just kind of wired that way. You, you like that. Well, and it's... Otherwise, you, know, you would do something... That's some, easier. Yeah. It, it's something I talk about all the time because, you know, I, like I said, I love my passion is for bringing people into hunting and reaching out to new hunters like me who, you know, may not have that experience and background. And um, I talk all the time about setting realistic expectations. You know, you obviously want to challenge yourself. You want to put yourself out there and try and, you know, go beyond your limits because you'll never know what they are until you push past them. And, uh, but... You can't, your measure of success has to be something realistic. And like you're saying with the album, your goal was to release the album. For me, uh, you know, when I went on uh, my Arizona elk hunt, my goal was to put an actual stock on an animal. Like, like a legitimate stock where I get into the point where I think I can draw. Whether or not it's successful, whether or not I connect with the animal, that was my goal. And that is such a crucial part of hunting because then when you do that, you're successful Everything else just is icing on the cake. That's right. I mean, don't get me wrong. Who likes to eat a cake without icing? But Yeah, but if you base your 
If you're totally focused on the kill, I can't even imagine how many days I would be disappointed with my life. Yeah. I mean, most of them. I mean, even last year I had a really successful hunting season. Um, I killed two bull elk with my bow, an antelope with my bow, a bear with my bow. And are you going? Like, are you full trad now? Or uh, are you well, so I up? was full trad my whole life. I I shoot a compound as well now. Okay. Yeah. Last year was all compound actually. Gotcha. Okay. I was like, damn. <laughs> yeah. I've had, like, I've had for a trad bow. That's a pretty. Dang I've had seasons like that with my trad bow, but they're pretty few and far between. Gotcha. Um, but even then, people are like, "Oh my gosh, that's so you had a really successful season," and I did. And I'm like, I did, and you know what? I don't feel bad about it at all. I'll take them when they come because I've had a lot of really crappy ones. Yep. And so it's just this weird thing. Is like I don't base it on that, but when it does happen, it's nice. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it makes up for a lot of days where you just came back to the tent banging your head up against the wall. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, it's you, – you have to have a passion for the whole thing so you can set those smaller goals and really – and really enjoy the whole process and the whole experience. Um, I can't say it enough. I probably said that on every single podcast I've recorded is you've got to focus on that experience and, and really uh, take what you can get when you can get it. Find the positive in every single hunt and find something to learn out of every single hunt. I mean, I never run out of failures to learn from in hunting. So, <laughs> Well, and I was just, I was just talking uh, with Luke Cadillo from uh, Gladiators Unleashed and, yeah. uh, we spent a lot of time talking about people need to realize that failures, you know, are are going to happen and they're a thing. It's it's so much pressure, especially like with hunting TV and stuff like that. You know, people don't want to show their failures. They want to show the cool kill shots and always be successful. And when that's what they're focused on, instead of being real, they start making poor decisions and unethical decisions because it's all about getting that kill. Um, more people, I feel like, need to show... They're failures. It's better. I'll never forget. I, I hunted on Randy Newberg's show a few years ago. So funny enough, I threw on fresh tracks on Amazon Prime as I was packing to come out here. And I, watched, I just watched that episode literally like three days ago. So for those that don't know what we're talking about, I, I missed the bull at 12 yards on Randy Newberg's uh, YouTube channel. You can probably find it. It was in Montana. Yep. And it was really embarrassing. And... Uh, there's no excuse for it. But, and right after I let the arrow go, I like, man, I'm never going to live that down. Yeah. Because the camera guy's like right over my shoulder. <laughs> and uh, people still, to this day, come up to me and be like, wait a minute, you're the guy that missed the bull 12 yards. <laughs> so, but you know, as much as I was depressed about it for like a day, then I'm like, you know, I don't really care because anybody who tries to bash that, they know what's in their closet. Uh-huh. Like, they've all missed. Everybody has. And those that say they haven't, come on. You will or you have. Oh, yeah. That's fine. But, anyways, I, I'm totally with you. And especially in a day and age of of Instagram and Facebook and, like, this whole – these platforms where your whole life's a highlight reel, you know, we're all guilty of it. You're scared to post real things. Mm-hmm. My wife and I talk about this all the time because some of the people we're attracted to most on Instagram – where we both like following them. Yeah. They're the ones that aren't scared to post about changing diapers and stuff. Yeah. You know, not literally, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, actually hers are because she follows a lot of moms, but like just an analogy, right? Yeah. Like show me something real. Show me that you're a flawed human being just like me. 
you know. And th- that's actually where the internet's going now, in my opinion, is people are kind of bored with perfect. They're bored with it mm-hmm. because it doesn't exist. You know, and we can all pretend it does, but it doesn't. So I believe if the more misses that you can, you know, the more failures you can show, the more that actually uplifts people because they're like, man, mm-hmm. I was so scared to even talk about my miss on a bowl last year. But now I know that, you know, Randy Newberg does it or whoever. Yeah. They feel better about themselves. Well, and you know, and it uh, it makes the victories a bigger deal, too, where if somebody understands how much work you put in, yeah, if you're only showing your successes, somebody's looking at you being like, oh, that guy just gets it done. Like, it's no big deal for him. When in reality, you are busting your working hard. You're, as, you're just as bummed out by those failures as anyone, yep. and you're encountering them. So when, you know, when people are, are part of that whole journey, see those failures, and then have that victory, it's a bigger deal, it's a bigger deal for you. They understand how much of a victory that is yeah. for you, and they're more invested in it. They're more excited for you, and they can relate to that whole process. Yep. That's so. right. Be relatable. It's, it's a difficult thing for some people. But no, I, it's hard because... You, People don't want to be vulnerable. There's a lot of pride you have to swallow. Like, yeah. I've swallowed a lot of pride on my Instagram. Yeah. Anybody that follows me, like... Even the other day, I posted something that was fairly, like, provocative. Um, it was about how we all have friends that want to see us fail. And I wasn't talking about any specific one of my friends. Yeah. I was talking about how deep down as humans, we actually find enjoyment in watching people fail which is really weird yeah it's a weird thing and it's really it's not good but we all we all struggle with it yeah but my point was is like i've you know obviously with the way i live my life i take a lot of risks i do things that people don't think you should or you can do and with that comes scrutiny where people are like i think deep down they want to see it not work because it, it, it helps them feel better about their situation. Yeah. And I was just, I'm just trying to communicate to people that that's coming. That exists. And actually, we're all guilty of it. But because of that, you should also be liberated from it and know that it's just a natural thing. And don't let it stop you. But I, I feel like that's what stops most people from doing things that are real. It's <laughs> because they're afraid what other people think. Yeah. And they're, other, they're afraid that... By doing this, they're exposing, you know, something that they're not sure about. They're, and they're going to make themselves vulnerable. And then if it doesn't work out, or if they're wrong, or they offend somebody, that's really hard to swallow. But what I'm learning is it's actually not that hard. And actually, what you'll find is is when you're real, there's more people that support it than don't than don't. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Because everybody wants. It's like you remember in class when you you had a question. And you really wanted to raise your hand, but you were so sure that it was a stupid question. <laughs> That's almost how it is. But then somebody else will ask your question, and then everybody raises their hand. Yep. Because now they're comfortable. They don't feel like they're dumb. Yeah. That's, I mean, we're all just living in a big classroom. Well, and you know, honestly, if you have the question, there's probably 100 people out That's there. That's right. And or if you have a problem you're going through, guaranteed somebody else is going through a similar thing. Yeah. It may not be exactly the same. And some people certainly have it better off than others and all those things. But everybody's got problems. Yep. And that's, you know, I've said it before. That's why I like to come out and do this podcast. Is I like, you know, to swallow a little bit of extra pride and ask those questions that, you know, we as guys, we, 
You're just saying, you know, we get a little chesty. We get, we definitely have a prideful side to us and don't want to ask a lot of these questions. And when it comes to something like hunting, especially, or being in the outdoors, there's a lot that needs to be learned and a lot that you can't just learn on yourself, on your own. Yeah. And so, you know, if by asking a quote unquote dumb question, I can maybe help someone, you know, yeah, they're going to have to figure out their pride issues on their own, but maybe if I can help someone, you know, not make a mistake and be successful just by asking that question so they don't have to swallow their pride and ask it, then that makes me happy. Um, you know, and, and maybe they'll, they'll realize, okay, so it's not so bad asking those asking those simple simple questions but it's almost like i'm full of analogies by the way (laughs) i'm down i hate cold water i hate it i hate diving into cold water but once you do it you're like ah that was nice and you you hear people when they dive into lakes they always come up and they're like dude that felt so good yep but when you're standing there staring at it you're like you know impact's coming you know it's gonna suck for like a half a second yeah but you, it, it completely stops you from doing it. And a lot of the things we're talking about are like that. You know, actually, it's probably not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> but you're so scared of the initial impact that you just, it stops you from doing it. Mm. So it's, 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 it's an interesting lesson in, in human psychology. So, you know, in all this time hunting and releasing music, you know, we talked about some of the, some of the lessons, but... Maybe what's some of the stuff, uh, whether it's, like I said, either, you know, about releasing music or about, or about hunting, that, that you would tell yourself now, uh, like, that you now would have loved to have told yourself when you were first figuring this out, first starting out on things. Hunt, on hunting, specifically. Hunting or music, uh, or both. You know, I wish I, would have, I wish I would have spent more time proactively educating myself when I was younger. I mean, I was guiding by the time I was seven years old, 10 years old. A lot of people are going to say, bull <laughs> That's a true story. Uh, in Oregon, um, and when I say guiding, I was like, my dad was a guide, so I was going along with him and spotting elk and helping people. I wasn't getting paid, obviously, but I was a guide. <laughs> uh, so I thought, growing up, jeez. Sorry, so, sorry, folks, we had somebody uh, fall down next Almost to Almost die hanging from a bar. Um, <laughs> I wish I'd been more open-minded to further my knowledge beyond what I was just learning on the job, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, because as I've gotten older, there's so many people out there that have spent their lifetime learning some, a skill that you just, you don't have time to learn it at the depth they do. Yeah. But you can go grab the knowledge they've gleaned, like the highlight reel, and learn it, and it'll help you. I became such a better hunter, an exponentially better hunter over the last five years, because I seek people that are better than me, and I try to spend time around them and learn as much as I can from them. And I spent a long time thinking I was the <laughs> you know, and you're not the reality. Yeah. There's always somebody better. There's always something you can learn. And now I just crave it. I crave learning um, new things. I mean, I definitely have things that I do that I don't want to change, but I try to every year I try to like, sort of reflect and be like, what do I need to... Okay, I need to spend more time around Corey Jacobson this year. <laughs> I need to... I think I, that's just a general rule for life. Yeah. At all, is just spend more time with Corey Jacobson. Yeah. <laughs> I need to improve my calling. Or, I, hey, I need to go spend a couple weeks with Joel Turner and really work on my shooting. Um, there's a... Especially with the internet and Instagram now, like, you can... You can learn so much. And I just don't think I spent enough time in my early 20s doing that because you're so caught up in yourself. Oh, yeah. And you're really not that good. <laughs> It's, 
it's funny you say that because it's I come from such a different the opposite end of the spectrum whereas you know you were raised in it and you pretty much you just picked up what you picked up by going out and doing um and then the the like call it like i don't want to say like intellectual aspect of it but like the book learning aspect or studying aspect of it was kind of secondary for you versus me i have no background in it i you know i i didn't have as many opportunities to get out as some people just when uh, when i was living in la and so i came up like my growth into hunting was me doing nothing but like reading books and like figuring this stuff out and talking to cool people on the podcast and and I didn't have that practical experience which I think both are are very necessary you know you learn different people learn in different ways and different uh your time in the nothing's going to replace your time in the field but that time in the field can be significantly more efficient when you've watched a few videos, read a few books, learned a few things prior. Absolutely. I mean, isn't that life, you know? There's always something. There's always a way you can learn something every day. And I think maybe as we get older, <laughs> you realize that more. Oh, yeah. Like, I definitely thought I knew everything when in my 20s. Well, I mean, I, I don't understand how I ever looked at something like going to college is, as work or difficult, for one. Now I'm, like, sitting here, I'm like, man, I wish I'd spent more time, like... Yeah. And like taking like classes and and expanding my knowledge base and I'm like, I wonder if I could like get a master's in something. I'm like, because I totally have time to do that. Yeah. Um. Geez. But you know, I think about that. I'm like, I miss I miss learning. learning. Yeah. And it was such a chore back then. Like it is. Isn't that weird? Life's backwards. <laughs> you should be able to retire when you're young. Exactly. And like seek knowledge and all that stuff. And well, what's that? What's that? Everyone says youth is wasted on the young. Uh, <laughs> that's true it's true jeez now i now i want to go to bed at nine o'clock back on man my that's parents. late i go to bed at eight thirty. <laughs> that's when i start getting ready for bed because i know it <laughs> i know it's going to take me an hour to actually like in fact i haven't not got my afternoon nap things. in yet i've been i've wanted an afternoon nap since about nine o'clock this morning dude i have too it's i a, love a good nap i am i'm a believe it or not i'm an introvert and uh i I'm an extroverted introvert. Yeah. I love being around people. I love yeah. this kind of stuff and talking with people. Yeah. But I need to then, like, at the end of the night, oh, yeah. be like, no, I'll go stare okay. at my hotel room wall. I got to go and, yeah. like, be on my own, recenter, recharge, yeah. and then come out. So these expos are awesome. Yeah. But they are about as exhausting as they come. And oh, yeah. Mentally, it's, it's a mental marathon. That's for sure. <laughs> but so one thing, you know, I always like to do is kind of, because this is geared at new hunters, uh, people coming into the outdoors for the first time, maybe also from non-traditional backgrounds. Say, you know, somebody came up to you here at the expo and was like, Hey man, I watched you to miss that, miss that elk on Randy Newberg show. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Let's bring that up again. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, say somebody, whether it was followed you on Instagram, saw something that was like, you know, man, that looks really cool, but I can't do that. Like, I don't have a background in hunting like you do. I'm from, Los Angeles or, you know, I'm from New York or whatever it is. I'm, I'm not from a, a hunting background, but it looks really cool. What, like, maybe possible words of encouragement or advice would you give someone like that? Don't get discouraged. It's a, the barriers to entry are fairly high. I mean, it's pretty easy to go buy a tag and buy a bow and practice and all that stuff. I'm talking, speaking more to, like, it's an acquired skill that, 
I mean, I've been hunting since I like I said since I was an infant. And still, every year, I'm like, how am I such a blibbering idiot <laughs> that I would have made that mistake? I missed a bull last year. I'm still, every night, laying in bed. I'm like, ugh. I rushed the shot, shot under it. And I'm like, how do I still make stupid mistakes like that? How? I've been doing this for 35 years. Oh, yeah. You, you would think that I – and I've, I've weeded out a lot of stuff, but I still make some pretty bad mistakes. So my point is, is if you're a beginner – the problem with you right now is that you're looking at Instagram, you're looking at the magazines, you're looking at online, and you're getting very unreal expectations yeah. of what you're going to experience. Well, you know, we wonder why we can't bring any new people into hunting, and then we basically tell them that you have to do all these things. Or we don't tell them that in so many words, but we show them, like, you have to be at this certain level and yeah. have this certain stuff yeah. to get in there. Yeah. We're like, well, why aren't we getting any new hunters anymore? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's the thing, man. It's just... You know, it is a very frustrating thing, and you're more than likely not going to experience what you're watching online because, remember, everybody's just posting a highlight reel. Oh, you're, yeah. not you're not seeing 99% of the experience that they're having. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. With that said, if you have that mindset, it can be really rewarding, really rewarding. However, if you go into it with unrealistic expectations, it's going to be really frustrating. That's not to say that, gosh, I know a lot of beginning hunters that go out and actually are more successful than a lot of seasoned hunters <laughs> uh, because they're not overthinking it. Yeah. But I would just seek knowledge, seek people that know what they're doing. You know, hunters tend to be uh, kind of cagey. They don't like showing their spots off. It's hard to take people, frankly, because you, eat, you only have so much time to get your own animals. Yeah. It's hard to take people, especially beginners. But... The really great people will do it, and they will take time to take you. However, don't rely too much on them. Yeah. The best way to have people want to take you is first show that you're willing to go out by yourself. I see too many people rely on experienced people to take them, and they're not going to want to do that because they don't respect you yet. They want to see you go out and try. Just try. And then they're going to be like, you know what? I'll take you. It seems yeah. like you're really working hard at this as opposed to. Well, it shows a level of commitment. It yeah. shows a certain level of commitment. Yeah. You don't, you know, because like you said, the time is supremely valuable. And if somebody, you know, if you're going to take someone out and they're just going to be like, okay, this hunting thing isn't for me. Or if they're not going to put out the effort and, and work, then you kind of feel like you wasted your time a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not everyone. Some people, yeah, that just may be the thing where they go out a few times and they realize, yeah, okay, I enjoy this, but it's not my thing thing. And that'll happen. But generally, yeah, it shows a level of commitment. But it's also, no, there's no better way to learn. Yeah. So I think for me, it's like, it's the level of commitment, but also it's like, look, if you really want to learn how to do this, you literally just need to go walk through the woods. Yep. And just start paying attention to what's going on. Miss some stuff fail some things <laughs> and just you'll start building your own little repertoire you'll start figuring out your own little spots you'll start learning what to do what not to do you can get a lot of the basic knowledge in a couple weeks on the internet you know get the yeah. wind right here's how what elk habitat looks like here's but then the rest it's sort of like if you want to be a fighter if you want to get into to mma What's the best way to do that? Well, you probably got to start rolling on the mat. People can only tell you so much about it. You probably got to get punched in the face once or twice. That's right. You're going to get pinned, or I mean, uh, submit. That's how much I'm not an MMA fight. I'm just, you're going to get submitted. <laughs> uh, but that's the point is try to balance it. 
there's a lot of people out there that try, rely too too much on other people, and I think that's kind of they're not going to be they're not going to want to take you. Well, you know, I think you also have to be willing to pull your own weight. Like if if you want someone to if you want to go out with someone, be willing to go out by yourself, but also be willing to be the person that is is helping them out. Be the volunteer. I don't know a lot of hunters that would turn down an extra back to to carry out an elk quarter. You know, one less trip. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, even if you are just sticking back at camp and helping set up and cook and maybe only going out a couple of times, you are still learning. You're still getting a lot of experience. And then you're showing them, you know, find a way to give back. Show you're committed to being, you know, part of this hunting yeah. community. And I, I, people I, will gravitate I saw you. last week a lady that I met probably five years ago at a hunting show. She showed up. She read about hunting in a magazine. She bought a plane ticket and flew to this hunting show. And she's like, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm totally new to this. I don't know a thing. But it's great to meet you, and I'm here hanging out with you. That is so cool. And now she's like an integral part of this community. And I I, I saw her last week. I'm like, you know, I still think about that. That's so cool. I mean, that shows real guts, A. But also shows like, hey, I don't know a thing, but gosh, (laughs) I'm here to learn. As opposed to, could you take me and show me everything? Yeah. Please? Well, that's, that's almost kind of what I did with, uh, I went to the ISE show last year, uh, which I actually thought was this show. I've told that story before. I had a, my coworkers like, hey, you have to come to the Hunt Expo. Da, da. So I just Googled up, okay, um, Salt Lake City hunting exposition or whatever. And it pulled up the ISE show first that happens, I think, in a month, some, sometime around March, I think. And so I bought tickets and all of a sudden I get a call from him. He's like, hey, man, you ready to go next week? And I'm like, what? You mean next month? He's like, no, dude, next week to Hunt Expo. I'm like, yeah, that's next month. And I realize there's two shows. But anyway, so I go to I fly out there and it was great for me because it wasn't nearly as busy as this is. But I got to go up to people and it was that same kind of conversation. Where I'm like, hey, I'm new to this. I just I picked up all this stuff. I'm by, I bought tags for this area, you know. I just want to meet people and learn. And, you know, I just started the podcast at that point, and it was kind of a country music and off-roading and shooting my bow podcast, not really a hunting podcast. But people appreciated that I would, I just made the effort to, like, bomb out here and learn. Randomly, I ended up in Salt Lake a lot that year. I randomly came out for, like, a, when you guys, uh, re- when Sitka released the Subalpine uh, Black Ovis did a launch event. Yeah. And... Uh, I just saw that on, everyone was posting about it on Instagram. I'm like, I could use a weekend away. Flew out to Salt Lake City and just uh, hung out. And everyone like, everyone's like, oh, where are you coming in from? And I'm like, California. They look, they, you came out for this? I'm like, yeah, why not? It's a good weekend. I just want to learn from people, you know? Yeah. That's what, I met Brian and uh, Aaron Snyder at the time. I, you know, I'd, I had met Corey before, um, but, you know, I got to run into Corey and, uh, Kendall Carr got to you know meet him. Just all all these awesome people, and went on a hike with them. And you know, and I think I was, I think I was a little bit of like an entertaining novelty to him because I was just such a. All I wanted to do was like learn, and so I took every opportunity. I put out the effort to come out, and you know, people respond when you work your ass off and you put out that effort, regardless of how you're doing it. Like whether it's you're going out on your own hunt. You're trying to work for them to help them out on their hunt. You're just coming out to expos and learning. People respond to effort. 
they respond to uh, enthusiasm, engagement, and effort. Absolutely. Wow, I didn't intend that. They, absolutely, no, no question about it. Mm. And they'll support you. Yes. Absolutely. So if uh, people, we talked about where they can find the album pretty much anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, where else can people follow along with uh, your adventures online? My Instagram is the best place. It's just Dave Brinker underscore. Um, it's about all I have time to manage right now. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a Do you have a website for the the music I, stuff? I do have a website. It's just DaveBrinker.com. DaveBrinker.com. Yep. Awesome. I'll make sure to link to those on the show notes page. We'll get that up. Appreciate uh, it, man. Thanks for sitting down. I'm glad we Dude, finally made absolutely. it happen. It was a fun conversation. And we even got to steal Brian Call's chairs. Yep, it's my favorite. This is going to become a yearly thing, I think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Brian yeah, was I, giving us the side I, eye. <laughs> I, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Awesome, bro. All right, y'all. That'll do it for episode 99 of Living Country in the City. Big thank you to David for taking the time out of his day. Had a great time talking with him. Make sure y'all head on over to the show notes page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash 99 to get links to everything we talked about in today's episode. But until next time, keep it country, y'all. Thank y'all for listening to Living Country in the City. Get show notes and check out the blog, product reviews, events, and more at livingcountryinthecity.com.